Hi guys and welcome to Checked Out. I am your host Alexa here with my co-host Jennifer. Hello Alexa, how are you? Doing well, how are you today? I'm pretty well, it's a kind of a dreary day. It is, um, not the best curbside day, but no, that's no. what we're here just, for. Yep, that's what we're here. Today will be the first day that we've actually done curbside here at Northside in the weather. We've yeah. had beautiful, we've been very spoiled, we've had beautiful days. I know, I feel like this is just kind of a precursor. No, it's like, well, come? you know, it is November. I know, it, it definitely makes more sense. Um, and I do prefer this to the 90 degree July heat. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, so right. I think everyone probably lost pounds that day. Okay. All, the, all that, those, those months, what was it, a month or something like we did that? And I don't think I've ever walked so much in my life. It was wild. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> we'll always have curbside in July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, is there any library business we need to go over before we just jump right into what we've been reading? Well, I guess we should say that we all locations are doing curbside. All locations are closed to the public. We are just doing curbside, which doesn't mean that you can't get something faxed or you needed something printed. We can still help you with that. Let us know what you need. And we'll help you out. We'll do the best we can during this you know, red zone that we're in right, right now. And that is to say, also, we are recording this on November 11th. If you are listening to this, yes. and it is like December or February or January or 2021 yeah. or something like that, definitely check our website um, because, yes. yeah, this is a, a moment in time. And yes. while we are red zone, according to the governor, we will be doing curbside only. So that is subject to change on a weekly basis. Yes. So check the website, give us a call, and we will let you know what we are doing. The, on the particular day that you listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, let's go. Yeah, who wants to start? I'm going to let you start. Okay. The last couple of things that I have read since we, we were together last time, we kind of did this unintentionally, but it was a, a graphic novel reading month for us both. We yes. did not discuss this beforehand. It's just how it worked out. <laughs> so <laughs> the two that I read um, were wildly different. I guess they both had kind of some some similarities, but not really. I read Fake Blood by Whitney Gardner, which was a delightful juvenile fiction graphic novel. It is about a young boy, a young preteen, who has a crush on one of his classmates, and she is obsessed with vampires. And so he decides <laughs> that he is going to pretend to be a vampire to, to get her interested in oh, him. Boy. And then he finds out, only after he pretends to be a vampire, does he realize that she wants to be a vampire slayer. She, she's obsessed with vampires because she wants to kill Bad them. Bad luck there. So there's, that's a bit of a problem there. It was super fun, really cute. It was kind of like a, just a nice preteen coming of age story. Super quick read. The artwork was adorable. Highly, mm. highly recommend it. It was super fun. And then the other graphic novel that I read, which again, only, only marginally related, it is a, a <laughs> very much an adult graphic novel yes. called Maids by Katie Skelly. If you were to see the call number for it, it's actually not even shelved in the graphic novel section here in the library. It is under true crime because it is based on a true story of the Papin sisters. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Leia and Christine Papin. I think you're pronouncing that right. It's French. I don't speak French. <laughs> It's not my forte. But uh, so I had never heard of this story. Jennifer had. Mm. It's apparently very well known. Not really sure how I missed it. It's about the story. It's two sisters who grew up apart from each other. They grew up in a convent. One, when she was a, the appropriate age, was sent by her mother to go and work as a maid in the house of this very rich family. 
And then once her sister was old enough, she went and joined her. And they end up carrying out a couple of very grisly murders while Mm -hmm. they're in the house. As as I said, kind of like tangentially horror related, I suppose, to the J1, but very, very divergently different. (laughs) Yeah. And like you, we talked about before, Mm -hmm. you said that they use this for talk about class and the bourgeoisie in... France. Very much seen as like the, the lower classes rising up against the higher classes. Which is really interesting because you think, okay, that's one thing, but these people were murdered. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Very, <laughs> there, there very were, <laughs> So Yeah. But, you know. But um, it was it was a really beautifully drawn graphic novel. It was the the artwork is very spare. It's very um, simplistically drawn, and I think that that really is a, is a nice juxtaposition against the really horrific things that happened mm-hmm. in, in this again a very true story. But yeah, it was it was a, a delight to read. It's a quick read. It's very short, uh, but I encourage you to take time with it if you do want to read it to just really appreciate like all of the work that was put into. I feel like. Graphic novels that have very simple illustrations like that, I almost appreciate them more than like the ones that have a whole lot going on. I think that's almost harder because yes. you really have to edit. They're yourself. very intentionally drawn, yeah. Um, and I, so I think that it it does a really a, a disservice to the artist to just kind of like and just like blow mm-hmm. through it. I think that it's really good to kind of spend time with it and, well, and appreciate all the work that. Went I wonder that. if the reason why it's that way is it sets the mood to what they have lived through. Mm. They were in a convent. This is all they kind of know. This. They're the lower class, right? Mm-hmm. Their room that they're going to stay in is not going to be as, it's not going to have anything of the wealth that you would see yeah. in the other rooms, the flowers and the stuffy chairs and all the porcelain knickknacks and all the things that these people probably had. Yeah. What they're probably going to have is a bed, a sheet, <laughs> maybe a, you know, a tiny little place to put their clothes in. That would probably be it. So, I mean, I think it's probably kind of fitting that this is a sparse yeah, kind of sure. drawn, um, but, uh, you know, graphic novel. Yeah, I definitely want to hear your take on it once you read it. Yes, um, I'm waiting for it. Yes. <laughs> so I think it should come for me today. I put it in a hold bin for you yesterday. I'm almost 99% yes. sure that it's coming for you. I'm so. super excited. <laughs> so, so yeah, those are the graphic novels that I read. What about you? So I too read, went on a graphic novel, Gobble, <laughs> Gobble, Gobble Quest. But I read a lot. Some of them were juvenile, some were teens, some were adult. But I'm going to just highlight two. And one of which is, I want to say that this graphic novel would be shelved in the teen collection or a ju- juvenile collection. I'm pretty sure it's a teen. And it's called Glass Town. And it's the imaginary world of the Brontes. It's by Isabel Greenberg. And it tells the story of the Bronte family and their fantasy world that they, they created this a town called Glass Town. And it started off, I believe, because the brother got a set of, I believe they were metal toy soldiers. And they were playing with them. And next thing you know, they were like, hmm, maybe this could be like Napoleon. And this could be this person. And, oh, what would they be like? And what if they weren't like who they were? And they, they started, they really started to use this. And they loved to draw. And they they were writers and so they create this world. Eventually, um, Glasstown will break off, and then two of the two of the siblings will be together, and the other two siblings will go together and continue Glasstown. Mm. Well, the other two create their own world, and um, it's really fascinating. And um, the illustrations, I think, are really they fit really well with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever get a chance, I believe the. 
the Royal, I want to say it's like the Royal Library. I don't know if that's in London, has actually snippets of pieces of the real uh, manuscripts that they did, a glass town, not all of it. They have some, and some of them are teeny tiny. Some of them they would make a little small books. Tiny little perfectly bound books. Yeah. yeah. And um, so if you just want to go in a rabbit hole. You know, very up, creative, isolated children. Those yes, Brontes. on the moors. Of, yeah. You know, on the moors. So, I mean, that just, it really is. I don't know. It's a fascinating. I don't know. I just love reading about it. And that that graphic novelist is wonderful. She has some really, really beautiful artwork. She does. It's really, I think it fits. It really does fit with Mm -hmm. the story. I feel like you could really get an idea of their personalities Mm -hmm. in the, in the book as well. One of my favorite bits of Bronte, just like lore and history is the, the portrait that their brother did. Of oh, all of them yeah. together and then tried to erase himself out of it. So yeah. it just looks like a weird ghost man standing behind the which three is, sisters. Which is interesting because he he's such a, a part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um in in a weird way, he just they were just really all very connected. Yeah. <laughs> so connected yeah. to each other. It's, Something about that portrait is just so fascinating. It's kinda it is. It's very haunting. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. So then I diverged to a way totally different, very adult story (laughs) (laughs) from like kids and things, fantasy world, to a very sobering story of elderly parents, weighing the idea of taking care of your own family with your elderly parents. And I'm going to probably really butcher this person's name, but I'm so sorry. And it's Yon Sil Kong, and the book is Uma's Table. It's about food. It's about caring for your parents, trying to deal with the emotional, just the weight of responsibility as a child to their parents and about food. The illustrations are absolutely stunning. They're stunning to look at. And he represents all the care, everyone in his family and as cat people, like their faces look like cats. Oh, they're not, they're not drawn as like, you, you or me, you know, they don't, they don't look human. They look like they have like human hands and things, but their faces look very cat-like. Okay. And it's very moving and very touching. And this is just one moment in time in his life. So it's very autobiographical of his life. So it's, it's really a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. It's I just cool. had to Google a picture of the cover while you were talking about yeah, it. I was so just like, now I have to see what this looks you like. You can see like kind of like a cat-like yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It's it's very, very stylized. It's not what I was picturing in my mind at all, but it looks yeah. really cool. Yeah. And he is a graphic uh, artist. And mm-hmm. uh, so basically, this is sort of his way, of sort of dealing with his life, kind of putting it down on paper yeah. and wanting to be a good parent to his child and be a good husband to his wife and mm-hmm. getting out of Seoul, Korea, um, moving outside of the city and moving out to the country. It's really um, a really wonderful story, really. Yeah. So. Highly recommend. We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, and the way you were describing it, it sounds like so just emotional and just it like is a really I, beautiful story. I did tell Alexa earlier <sighs> that there's a scene I don't want to give too much away if you can read it, but I really, as I was reading, I didn't realize I was crying, and that <laughs> I was like, I'm crying. Oh my god! Yeah, it was really emotional. There's there's a few scenes in the book that are really very gut punching. Mm. I where you're just. Oh, goodness. You know, you feel for this person so much. I, you, I really do. You see him just feeling so terrible mm-hmm. about 
everything that is happening to his family. I feel like that is such a theme in a lot of um, memoir or biographical um, or autobiographical graphic novels is like, like fun home. Can we talk about something more pleasant? Like so, so many graphic novelists like to kind of examine relationships with their parents. Yes. Which I've read all those books. And they're all one. Yeah. And they're they're all all wonderful. And they're all come to a different conclusion in a way. They all care about their parents. Mm -hmm. And, but they all deal with what happens so differently. Yeah. And I think it's a road that if you do have a relationship with your family, you're going to have yourself. Yeah. yeah. I think of that a lot. Uh, so I think it's something that you really have to like, not that these books are going to prepare you for anything because everyone's life is going to sure, be different. Yeah. Gosh, I hope more people that other than Alison Betch does. Yes. <laughs> What's the thing yes. That I, want, I want the outcome to, I, you know, I guess you need to resolve your, if there is any kind of point mm. of these books at all, is that really think about your relationships with people and make amends to people if you feel like you can do that. Mm. Because I feel like if you, don't have a good relationship with them. And maybe you never will. I think that really is how you break it down for yourself at the end, how well you took care of that in your, for yourself or for the person. Mm-hmm. And I think it is sort of this idea of digging deep and finding and having some kind of per, a, a relationship with your family, I guess, you know, yeah, you either have, you do or you don't. But if you want, if you're going to get stuck with <laughs> taking care of certain people, you probably need to talk a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Communication. Maybe you don't keep secrets from people. Like, right. maybe, you know. <laughs> yeah. That would be helpful for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Just kind of let me in on some things. Maybe. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've, I haven't completed either of these books. But I've started both of them. Okay. And they're both the first book in series. Pretty different also. We've talked before at length on this podcast about (laughs) my deep and abiding love of all things romance novels. So naturally, (laughs) I'm very excited for the premiere of Bridgerton on Netflix. Christmas. Exciting. Merry Christmas to all of us because Bridgerton (laughs) is coming. It's very exciting. Thank you, Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you to Shonda Rhimes and Netflix for bringing Bridgerton to us. So in in the spirit of Bridgerton coming to Netflix, I am reading The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. It is the first book in her Bridgerton series which has many books in it. They, they are as numerous as the Bridgerton siblings. There's a lot of them. so they all, And they all need their happy ending. So There you go. Um, the first book, again, is The Duke and I, and it is Daphne's book. She is, I believe, the fourth daughter. They're, they're named in alphabetical order. So A oh. name, B name, C name, D name. So we start with Daphne. Then we go back and we do Anthony, and then we proceed down oh, the alphabet from there. That's interesting. Yes, it's kind of a fun little conceit. Hmm. Not really sure. I, I don't know why she started with Daphne, but... Maybe that's just what hit her. There you go. I don't know. But it's it's delightful. There's just something so comforting about reading a romance novel. I, I assume it's kind of similar to why people like to read mysteries. You read a romance novel, you know how it's going to end. Yes. You read a mystery, you may not know exactly how it's going to end, but you know it's going to be solved. Yes. Like, you, you know... Well, at least you hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, primarily speaking... The, the conceit of a mystery is that you will have some some degree of closure. At yes. You, yes. Go into a you might not novel. be satisfied with it. Yes. But, <laughs> but you will know what happens. You will know what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, yeah. So romance novels is like, I don't have to worry. I know that they're going to go through a lot of stuff, but they will be together at the end. And they're just like, <laughs> it's just so comforting knowing that nobody's going to try and like trick me. 
I'm not going to be tricked at the end. I'm just, I'm going to get the happy ending and that's it. It's very nice. It's like if you watch any Hallmark channel, you're like, she's going to pick the good guy. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to move to the small Christmas town and she won't have to be a big city lawyer anymore. Goodness. Don't have to worry. She'll find the simple things in life like apple pie and like bakeries. Oh, Hallmark movies. They're oh, starting they're... to go. I've, I've put a lot of Hallmark movies on the whole shelf for people recently. So everyone's getting ready. They're in the mood. And I am It's. I think all of us are just ready to get the year over with. We're like, let's get Christmas going and yes. get 2020 out of here. Yeah, bye-bye 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the other book that I'm reading, again, it is the, the first book in a very lengthy series, from what I understand, by Louise Penny. I'm yes. finally picking up the first book in Louise Penny's very famous Inspector Gamache Very series. good choice. Still Life is the name of it. And it's it's actually very appropriate. It's set at Thanksgiving, which I didn't realize when I started reading it. I was like, oh, this is very like seasonally appropriate. I'm, You're like, this is perfect. Yeah, I was like, great. So I'm, I'm very much like getting ready for the holidays with, with my current book choices. I, I read the first chapter or so of that and then the Duke and I came in. So I had to put Still Life on pause. I will return to it once I finish with the Duke yeah, you and Yeah, you gotta get, get on that road of the romance. Yes. I'm, I'm, so you're getting ready for December. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to prepare myself. I, I read the Duke and I, but it's been just a long time ago. So yeah, need to refresh my memory before Bridgerton comes out. So very much uh, enjoying both of those books currently. What about you? Do you have any in progress? So yes. Yeah, so, well, one I just received from Amazon. It just showed up yesterday <laughs> Which I had ordered, pre-ordered Moonflower King uh, Murder, which is the sequel to Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Let's just say tickle me red herring because mm-hmm. I am super excited about this because really to me, Magpie Murder was probably one of the best murder mysteries I'd ever read. That's saying a lot because I read a lot of them. Yeah, I, I trust your judgment. <laughs> so I have, I've like literally read the first two pages. It was just like it showed up when I got off work last night and... So I haven't had a chance, so I'm that's gonna be going real soon. <laughs> the second book I'm reading, which is a totally different subject, and it's by Jill Lapore. It's called Then. And it's how the Simulix Corporation invented the future. And this is I really um if you don't know who Jill Lapore is, she has a lot to she writes a lot about truths of things, the real story of things. What's the history of that to get you to this? And this is about basically uh, early computers, IBM, all these different companies who really have a lot to do with what our future looks like today. And um, it's, I just, I think she's really a good writer and I think she really can project a lot of information what seem might be boring to entertaining. She's very good at that. Mm. I will say that she has a podcast, which I'll mention, which I, I think is fantastic. And it's called The Last Archive. And she talks about truth. She talks, uh, you know, from early, the very first sort of idea of crime scene, like analysis kind of story of a woman and what is reported in the paper to what really happened and what is the truth of the story. I won't say too much, but if you if you get a chance to listen to the, even if you just listen to the first episode of The Last Archive, it's very eye-opening because you realize that Here's this woman has been murdered. It looks, it's terrible. But when it's reported in the paper, they pretty much trash her. And they also, basically, all they're concerned about was that she had taken a birth control pill or some kind of, she had taken something to 
to not become become pregnant. Mm. And that became the story. It wasn't her murder. It became that she had done that. That old story. Yes. Yeah. And that is the truth of this story is mm. that this is just about what the so-called, you know, they wanted to, to hear about. Sure. And so it's she it's really fascinating. And um, so anyway, I, I, I just started reading this. I think it's great. And she's written lots of different things about history and government and but she's somebody, if you're really interested in, like, America politics mm. and a history of things, she's somebody to look into. Her name is Jill Lepore. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, but every time somebody describes a book like that to me, I'm just like, oh, I should yeah. really I should really read that. That it's sounds really, fascinating. It's funny. One of the episodes of the podcast was about early computers and the presidential election. Mm. Like, trying to predict the outcome. And this company, the Simulex Corporation, had built a mock computer on, you know, on the news, like, I think it was CBS News. And they basically had the people, because it was so big, they couldn't take the whole thing there, but they had to pretend like it was in their studio. And they basically predicted the outcome of the election, but because it went against what was public opinion of politi- of who they thought people thought they were going to who was going to win they acted like the computer had malfunctioned oh my gosh so they didn't predict anything and so it made them look bad and basically they had predicted it correctly wow okay and so the story is like they didn't even believe in their own the public sentiment of one thing changed them believing in their thing, which of their of their basically their product, huh? Which is a which is a really interesting idea of like, yeah. okay, you said you could do it and you did it, but you didn't tell anybody you did it. <laughs> so yes, I would. Anyway, it's I could go on and on and on because okay. it's just a fascinating idea of what we know about things and what the background story of something. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating. Okay, yeah, so definitely give Last Archive a listen. So to jump off of that and talk a little bit more about some of the podcasts that we've been listening to, I know we said that we were going to talk about podcasts in our first episode, and we got very just in the weeds and didn't even get around to talking about podcasts. Yes. One of the podcasts that I've been listening to for the past month or so, I assume everyone will understand why I've been listening to it, is an older NPR podcast that they did a few seasons of called More Perfect. Mm. Um, and it is the kind of diving into the Supreme Court and how it functions and just different cases that they have done over the years. They have a really wonderful episode in the second season about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes, and very good. Yes, and she, her kind of fighting for the Equal Rights Amendment. It's very fascinating. One of the recent episodes that I just listened to, again, this is an older one. I, I listened to the episode recently, but the, the podcast itself is, I believe, from like 2012. But they were talking about Gorsuch being confirmed and... I don't remember the the actual justice, but they were they were using that to jump off of whenever John Adams was president, the second president of the United States, and how he knew that Thomas Jefferson was coming in. They were from opposing political parties, and he wanted to do something to stick it to Thomas Jefferson so that <laughs> Thomas Jefferson couldn't get anything done. And at that point, the Supreme Court was just two dudes like in a basement together doing nothing, <laughs> basically. Nobody cared about them. 
And so when he knew, hey, are you there? When so when he knew Thomas Jefferson was going to be the president, he was basically like, well, I'm up in the Supreme Court, and there's going to be like twelve of them now. And he was basically up until midnight on his last day as president was signing all of these confirmations and just sending guys out the door to deliver them to his nominees to the Supreme Court to to get them their papers and to get them on the court. And he also appointed uh, Thomas Jefferson's second cousin, who he hated, as Chief Justice. So. He really wanted to stick it to I was like, cool. This is great. And I had no idea. That's it's a kind story. Of like, I, didn't, I didn't know that either. Yeah. It's kind of like Jewel Poor. I was just like, this is just something that happened in our history. And I just had no idea until NPR told me about it. And it's just like, that's such a great story. Why didn't I know that before? Especially I no when idea. we're talking about it now. And I know. There's all this idea or talking heads talking about, well, maybe we can add more. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know. You can. Need, yeah. And you, yeah. And guess what? You can. Yeah. Talk, John Adams did it. He had no problem adding as many Supreme Court justices as he wanted. Like it was, it was fine. You're the president. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. It's just a. It's really fascinating to just kind of look at the history of the Supreme Court, learn more about some of the cases that they have done. They mm-hmm. they did a deep dive into whenever they they legalized gay couples because sodomy was illegal in the state of Texas, and oh, yes. they just needed this they needed i believe the name of the episode is the the imperfect witnesses or something like that oh, the okay. imperfect plaintiffs because the the two men who they used to to fight this case to the supreme court were just like wanted nothing to do with it they did not want to be the poster boys to make gay relationships legal like they wanted absolutely like, they, they were please, they, no. they denied being gay like they did not want it was fascinating to listen to oh my gosh um, so yeah really really interesting stuff um if you're looking for i know that when you hear the words a podcast about the Supreme Court. It literally sounds like the worst thing ever and nobody would ever want to listen to it. But they, it is very fast paced. It's it's very informative while not just like dragging you down with just yeah, facts on that. I think that. that that is key to like really, and I think that you want to be able to learn something from it. You don't want to be just bored. Exactly. You know? yeah. and, and I think that that's how they, they kind of accomplish that is that they're telling stories. They're, they're using linear storytelling yes. to, to describe to you how, how different parts of our history came about. And, and that's kind of how Jill Laporte does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's I believe that that is of. very effective in entertaining us as listeners mm-hmm. that we're not just, you know, and then this happened. Then this happened. Yes, exactly. You, know? like, you, need, no. to, you need to have people to follow to, to keep your interest yes. in the story and in the history. Exactly. Another podcast that I have been just absolutely tearing my way through the archives of is Heavyweight by Jonathan mm-hmm. Goldstein. Which is which a very is, good podcast. It's yeah. delightful. It's a it's talking about just like not realizing you're crying. Like there have been so many episodes of Heavyweight and at the end I'm just like, oh, how did he make this really emotional? It was so silly before <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm like feeling I'm feeling touched by this. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of my favorite episodes that I have listened to so far is called Marshall. Have you listened to that one? I don't. Uh, tell me a little bit more. On um, so it's about the movie Russian Ark. Oh, okay. Which I had never heard of. I my husband did. And he was like, oh, yeah, that movie. It's apparently, it's a, so it's a 90-minute film that is shot in one single shot. Oh, my goodness. One continuous shot. It's just a camera moving across this series of rooms. And it tells, like, 300 years of Russian history. Oh, my I had no idea that this movie existed. It's apparently very famous. And nobody looks at the camera until the very end of the film. And a violinist turns around, like literally turns around in his seat and just dead on stares the camera down for like a few full seconds. The, The conceit of this podcast is that Jonathan Goldstein helps an individual remove a heavy weight from their conscience. They go back and they revisit things that they regret or things that they feel bad about. Right. They want to apologize to someone. Correct. The irony of this episode is that this violinist does not care. 
that he did that. Jonathan is the only one who cares. So Jonathan Goldstein is going around interviewing all of these Russian filmmakers and people, and they're just like, what does this guy care so much about this violinist looking at the camera? <laughs> it's wonderful. Just a delightful episode of a podcast. I'll have it, to listen to that. Yes. If it's kind of divergent from what Heavyweight usually is. Usually it is Jonathan interviewing somebody individually who who cares and they have to go back and make something right. Right. So it's kind of a little bit different than the usual episodes of Heavyweight, but highly, highly recommend the episode Marshall of the podcast Heavyweight. I'll it's, definitely listen to that. It's then. very fun to listen to. And again, I, I mentioned this to Jennifer. I feel like a lot of people who have listened to it, you have to like Jonathan Goldstein's shtick. He yeah. definitely is He can be a, a little character. over the... Yeah, he's playing a character of himself. This yes. is not the real Jonathan Goldstein. He very much is playing up being awkward and weird on the podcast. But it's, yes. if you if you like Jonathan Goldstein's shtick, you would really like Heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good listen. And the last podcast I wanted to mention, and because there is a book that goes along with it, um, is the podcast Nothing Much Happens by Catherine Nikolai. And it is basically just what it sounds like. Nothing Much Happens. Catherine Nikolai writes these beautiful little short stories in which nothing happens. It's just like like the one that I listened to recently was just a nice fall day in which you go to your yard and rake leaves. Yeah. That's it. And she reads them twice. She reads you the story <laughs> once, and then she goes back, and she reads it again, but slower. And then it is meant to relax you, to help you turn off your mind and prepare yourself for sleep. Yes. And, and it's very effective. It is so effective. <laughs> I have wonderful. to admit, I... I had been listening to Get Sleepy, mm-hmm. another podcast that helps with sleep. I don't listen to it all the time. I do think it's a, I think to make podcasts like that mm-hmm. work for you, you do have to train your mind mm-hmm. and then you have to listen to it consistently. Like every, like every night I'm going to get in bed, I'm going to do this. But I did listen to several of those, which I still have them on my phone. Mm-hmm. I l- <laughs> listen to and I'm like, hmm, this this is really kind of working for me. Her voice is wonderfully soothing. Yes, it she, is. She's an excellent reader. And she writes all the stories herself. She's, yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yes, she, she's a very good writer. The book that she wrote is just called Nothing Much Happens. Uh, the subtitle is Cozy and Calming Stories to Soothe Your Mind and Help You Sleep. And the book is beautiful. It's got these wonderfully like soft, beautiful illustrations in it. She has divided the book into seasons. So there are stories to Mm. go for spring, summer, fall, and winter. There are some recipes in here. There are like mindfulness and meditation exercises. Like we said, I believe this would probably be a fantastic Christmas gift for some Buddy. I think so too, particularly if they are a podcast listener. Oh yeah, but definitely. Even if somebody like even or if they have no idea what a podcast is, I think. They or if they have like trouble the sleeping. Yeah, it's a great book, and it's give them an eye, one of those eye things, and then give them that <laughs> book, and then just like let them read, and then just like have yeah. it on their head and pull it down. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, no, I mean we don't usually do like product recommendations on this podcast, but like yeah, seriously though, this would be a really really sweet gift for somebody. Um, the yes. stories, it's just full of just her little short stories that she reads on her podcast. Then it's they're beautiful. so relaxing to read. Highly um, recommend. Yeah, highly, they're great. Highly, highly. So I'm going to talk two podcasts, although I already talked about one, which was the Jill Lepore's podcast. But I picked two of these because they have a, a base idea to me that would kind of work with like a fictional story, although they, these are true stories. And one of which is Tom Brown's Body, which is put out by Texas Monthly. This is a fascinating story of a young man who goes missing in a small uh, West Texas town the day before Thanksgiving. He's a high school senior, very popular. He goes missing, and it's a sort of a 
it has this almost a feel to me whenever I listen to it. I believe it's because Skip Hollingworth, who is the writer of the story and, the, and does the podcast, has this very soothing sort of Texas t- voice. And it has this feel like, I almost feel like you, if you were just sitting around a fire, someone would tell you this story of Tom Brown. And it's a, it's it's just not so much about him being missing or what happens to him. It's about the town, a very small town, and how it affects the entire town and how rumors and backstabbing can really change the whole feel of this little town. And it's really well done. Mm. So I really thought, it, I think it's just a great podcast. And second podcast is called Crimes of the Century. This is probably takes all the sort of the sensational crimes of the century. You know, you think of like, oh, OJ Simpson trial, trials like that, the Menendez, things that we paid a lot of attention to. But she's going back from the very early, early, early crimes of the century. Cases like the murder of Mary Fagan, Leopold and Lold, uh, these kind of, these murders that like basically changed how society understood how things were working from um, laws that we have effect and just sometimes just really terrible history that we have in the United States. Mm. And it highlights some really terrible things. And it's really, I can't express how well researched it is. It's, it's really well done. And it's told in a way that's, you get an understanding of who the, all the players are in the, in the trial from who the judge is to the lawyers, to the victim, to everyone and she does a really great job. It's just great if you get a chance. But it has a, the reason why I bring it up in a as almost like a fictional feel is these crimes have been inspiration for a lot of different stories, yeah. from plays to novels. You know, maybe they they say it's a fictional you know, it's a fictional count of this particular trial, this particular story. But as you're reading, you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's that that's that case that happened back in you know wherever. Yeah. It it really does give you a better understanding of especially the of different crimes and what was happening in society at each period of time mm-hmm. these crimes and trials were committed. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Well, I mean, so many, like, novelists lift from, from like, real actual crimes and horror stories. Yes, and, like, and this is real... a really good understanding of what the true story is yeah. of maybe that story that you read or that play you saw. Well, it's like Silence of the Lambs, like, compiled, like, seven different killers into yes. Buffalo Bill. Like, yes, and I'm <laughs> yeah. sure a lot of those trials could be one of the trials that would probably be mentioned. Yeah, probably so. You know, so, um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Really good. Very, very well done podcast. If you couldn't tell, Jen and I really like true crime. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we should, we really literally could probably have a true crime podcast. Oh my gosh. We, yeah, we, we certainly listen to enough of it. We won't uh, even get into criminal, which is like the, just the perfect, just, just the perfect just, crime podcast. Yeah. Just look delightful. it up and listen to it. Yeah. Listen to Phoebe Judge tell you about everything that you've never heard of. God, before. don't you just love her voice though? She's just delightful. I, I love yeah. her. I think that's so much of having like a really successful just like long form podcasts that you are the person doing the majority of talking is just having the voice for it. Yes. Like Sarah Koenig's got the voice. Yes. Phoebe Judge has the voice. Like that's, I think that that is so crucial to having a successful like individual podcast. Like yeah. That. I totally agree with that. Yes. They're, they're just wonderful to listen to. I guess we'll end on just a quick being thankful since this is the month of November. We want to have some kind of a, a, 
tying together thread for our podcast, yes. right? So, um, do you want to say, uh, give us a little idea of what you're thankful for? Yes, and we we are doing book thankfulness, yes. author yes. thankful. This is like, oh, I, I don't want my husband to listen to this and be like, what the heck? <laughs> you didn't thank me? Yeah. This um, is book related. So, yes. Um, so, I wanted to be creative and come up with something cool that I've never like talked about. I'm thankful for Neil Gaiman. <laughs> He's just How could you not be? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that is just he's just like so in everyone's minds at all time. Like he's just such a known figure in graphic novels and like he does mm-hmm. everything. He does everything. Um truly. And I mean, he is just like I'm I talked extensively about Neil Gaiman on the podcast before. I probably have. I talk about Neil Gaiman a lot. <laughs> when I, I think of you, I think of Neil Gaiman. That's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I saw him when he he came to Lexington whenever he was touring and promoting the house at the end of the lane. Oh, which I love that book so um, much. It's beautiful. Oh if you God. if you don't like sci-fi or you don't like fantasy and you're just like, eh, I don't know about Neil Gaiman, read read that just book. Just read that or, one. The Ocean at the End of the Lane. I'm sorry, not The yes. House at the End of the Lane. I yes. got the title wrong. The Ocean at the End of the Lane. It's really a beautiful, short, little, sweet book. Read, read The Ocean at the End of the Lane because it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah, he's he's just a delight. The, when I So when I discovered Neil Gaiman... I was about 11, 12 years old, and I found Coraline. My mother used to always take me to the store to pick up some just, like, cheap books to read when we went to Florida together in the (laughs) summer. And I found Coraline on the shelf. It had just come out in paperback. And I remember flipping it over, and Stephen King, and who else? Somebody else did a blurb on the back, and they were authors that I knew. And I was like, well, I've never heard of this Neil Gaiman character, but I know who Stephen <laughs> Whoever King he is. is. <laughs> and this sounds pretty cool. And it has, like, the classic Dave McKeon, Coraline, super weird, creepy illustrations on the front. Oh. Um, if you've ever seen a Dave McKeon illustration, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. He illustrates a lot of Neil Gaiman stuff. Um, he did the illustrations for The Wolves and the Walls. And for, They're so like yin yang of each other. I they think. are. They yeah. really are simpatico. He's. I feel like he's kind of. I don't know where Dave McKeon went, but he hasn't illustrated anything by him in a long time. Chris Riddle, I think, has been doing most of his children's book illustrations in the past few years, and Chris yeah. Riddle's great too. But yeah, I picked up Coraline, and it was just like, and ever since, I'm just like, I'm hooked. Love, love. I've read every single thing that the man has ever written. <laughs> the Sandman is like the most perfect graphic novel series ever written. If you like graphic novels, read The Sandman. It's wonderful. It's yeah, so... It is. It's probably, a, I think for a lot of people, I'm older, I'm a little bit older, I'm older than you, but I think if you, that is like the, the graphic novel series that really, I think, if, I think if you listen or interviewed any other person that mm-hmm. loves graphic novels, they'll tell you, that they started reading that, mm-hmm. or they loved it, or they finished it all, or at least they read part of it. It's it's perfect. I just think it's like the kickoff of like graphic novel. And like, you have no love. excuse because it is now an Audible series, so you can listen to The Sandman, and it's soon going to be a Netflix series. So there's no excuse to not read The Sandman. You <laughs> you have to do it now because <laughs> it's it's out Don't there. Don't do it later. Do a it lot now. of people are going to start talking about it when it comes on Netflix. So oh, you, that's true. You're that's gonna true. have to do it. I'm sorry. That's right. Um, so yeah, I'm just grateful and thankful that Neil Gaiman is a person and that he exists. And yesterday was his birthday. So happy, happy birthday, birthday, Neil, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. <laughs> happy belated birthday. Yay! <laughs> I think about him every November 10th because I just know it's Neil Gaiman's birthday. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I used to read. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to let you talk about your thankful. I just want to say that I have a really unhealthy obsession with Neil Gaiman. So I'm just going to put that out there. I used to read, I used to blog <laughs> regularly and I would go home from school and I would pull up Neil Gaiman's blog. And that was the first thing I did when I would get home from school. You so were. I just want to. You do have a little touch there. No you game. know, I sent him an email once and he responded to me. <gasps> And then I took my printed out email that I Did you carried. put it in a frame? He signed it for me. Oh my. I printed out, I, I wrote him an email when I was 16 years old. How sweet. For writing advice. And he emailed me back literally the next day. And then, and then I printed that out. Like when he sent me the email, I copied and pasted my email and then his email that he sent me back. And I've carried it with me ever since because I'm an insane person. Um, and then I brought it with me to, to have him sign when he came here to Lexington on his sign and he signed it for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he didn't immediately have me arrested. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I might've, <laughs> you might be on a list somewhere though. <laughs> he seemed to be charmed by me. So I'm just gonna... well, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> So I'm going to name a couple people and I won't go into too much detail, but Ellen Raskin, who wrote the Westing game, it's a kid's book. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. I read it when I was a child and it pretty much cemented my love of mystery. I read it uh, and I'll, and my other person, Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you knew I was going to say that, but I read Agatha Christie when I was a kid going to my grandparents' house and I would get bored and my grandmother would say, well, go read something. Because I always had books with me. And that's how I started reading Agatha Christie. So Agatha Christie, Ellen, um, Ellen Rank, Raskin. And, but I have to say, when I read The Western Game, I just couldn't quit thinking about it. And mm-hmm. trying, and it's, I just wanted to know more. And I ended up reading everything she ever wrote. Unfortunately, she died of cancer. I'm pretty sure it was cancer. And so she only, she kind of started writing kind of later in life. So, so there's only a few books, but I love them. And Mm -hmm. I, and I think that she's just a wonderful person. I'm really grateful that she, she was around. That (laughs) she did the writing. That that she did did the writing that she did. Yeah. And the other person I'm going to mention, since I just realized I I should probably mention someone who's alive. (laughs) Is David Sedaris. I absolutely adore him. I've seen him read his stuff. A couple times he comes to Lexington. I've I've been very fortunate. And long, long time ago, I worked, when I was working for the library, he came and did a talk and they had a party for him. They used to, one of the rooms at the library. I have heard people tell me about this. After hours. I worked here, but. Yes. And I have a story where I was on the elevator with him. And he looked me in the eye and said, this is when he smoked. He doesn't smoke anymore. But he looked at me and said, I really need a cigarette. Can you take me somewhere to have a cigarette? And I was like, yes, I can. You got to be David Sedaris' smoking buddy. Yes. And so I took him, I won't say where, someplace. (laughs) And (laughs) talked to him as he had a cigarette. That's pretty funny. And talked to him about his sister, Amy. Oh my gosh, my husband is obsessed with Amy Sedaris. He loves I absolutely her so love her too. And she has the most delightful manic energy of any human being I think I've ever seen. He and he he was telling me just like, oh, you know, this is what she's been doing right now. And he literally was telling me like things that like happened later that I knew mm. it was gonna happen because he told me. That's so cool. So that's, that's David Sedaris story and Your um, David's a story. Yeah, <laughs> so the, I'm so, I'm still like freaked out that I got to meet him. But yeah, he's fascinating. I'm very thankful that he's with us with his crazy yeah. 
amazing, sometimes very touching stories and sometimes just the funniest stories ever. And grateful for his family who gives him so much inspiration. I mean, yeah. I, I think that I knew of Amy Sedaris before I knew of David Sedaris. And it's yes. just like, Amy Sedaris is something. She's just, uh, that's all you can say about her. Yeah. She's something. She's really, really funny. She's she really delightful. is. Yeah. On and Kimmy I, Schmidt. I know that she's done so much more than that, but her character that she played on Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's honestly how I think of Amy Sedaris now when I think of Amy Sedaris, just because it was just like so, it was just so much. Yeah. On that I note. would say that just, you know, and I'm sure when she's at home with her crazy home. Sure. With her rabbit, that she's probably just like normal. Yes. I would but I don't so. think you can be her and be completely normal. She's great. Yeah. Like, and I'm what sure. What a family have produced those two people it's really amazing <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> but yeah so those so that's who i'm thankful for i think that was a really lovely note to end our this yeah. our november thanksgiving episode yes yeah, so happy thanksgiving yes. everybody and hope everyone stays safe mm-hmm. please please stay safe please, yes please <laughs> celebrate thanksgiving in a, in a smart way yes um, be smart yes please um, we would eventually like to come out of the red zone and, and welcome people back into our library. Yes, so. <laughs> we do miss you guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we miss you. So hopefully we will be back again next month and have some more recommendations and things for you to check out from yeah. us. Yeah, so. hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye.